tornado of change has descended upon the world of work where leaders must navigate the unknown, armed only with an outdated roadmap, bad intel, and obsolete operating systems. While some leaders thrive on the edge of this precipice, many others fail. But what is it that makes the difference? Hello and welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. I'm your host, David Frizzell, and those words came from my guest in this episode, Vanessa Vershaw. Vanessa is here to tell us about her new book, Unreasonable Ambition, Renegade Thinking for Leaders to Create Impossible Change. Vanessa thinks that the key to leadership success is living an ambitious and inspired life. What does it all mean? And how do we go about it? We'll chat about those questions and much more. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Vanessa Vershaw. Vanessa Vershaw, welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. Thanks so much, David. Thanks for having me on the show this morning. Absolute pleasure. Vanessa, you have recently released a book called Unreasonable Ambition, Renegade Thinking for Leaders to Create Impossible Change. Tell us about the mission you're on here. Why this book at this time? Why that theme? What's the mission? Look, I've been working with leaders and teams all around the world for the last 25 years. And it's really interesting to me that in the last three years or so, working with people who have been very successful, a successful deemed, you know, career success in life and at work, who are actually crumbling at the edge of this precipice that we're all standing on the edge of at the moment and wondering why it is that they're finding it so difficult to navigate the new world context that we find ourselves in. Now, some of that has been, you know, dictated by black swan events, COVID, you know, rate of change, the world which is evermorphous. But the other part of it is also that they haven't been able to build their resilience or their ability to get out of their own way to actually navigate the storm that is here and be future ready. And so I decided to write this book for the people that I serve to say, hey, you've actually got this. Let's talk about what's going on in the world. Let's talk about the tools, the skills that you have at your disposal, and let's actually start using them. You don't have to be afraid because you have everything you need to actually navigate your life, your work, and help your people do so successfully. So this book is about providing leaders and people with the tools to be able to navigate the storm that is upon us and be the storm. Hey, I'm really interested in in your story as well, Vanessa, and what puts you in the position where you feel like you have a message to share about this. I, I really enjoyed the part of your book where you talked about sitting in your fancy office and reflecting on the role you play in people's lives. It was a really nicely written part of the book. Actually, let me read just a little bit about it. This is quoting you. How how did I become a leadership coach to ASX 20 and Fortune 100 companies? When did I become the trusted advisor, the coaching and mentoring some of the world's most well-known movers and shakers in every industry, from toilet paper manufacturing to investment banking, from all wells to railways, from entertainment to technology? It's a really nice reflection that you're able to have. And what's the answer that you come up with? How did you end up there? What are the attributes that you have and what are the lessons that you seized upon through your journey that's put you in the fancy office in that role that you described? Yeah, and look, that's a great question. And I'll just go back because that reflection was actually sparked by one of my mentees who said to me, 
how do you do what you do without kind of, you know, shaking in your slippers? Like how do you go in the room and work with these incredible leaders in industries that where you're not a technical expert, right, because that's, that's often the case? How do you hold your own and not run? <laughs> And you have the nerve. And, you know, and I and so that actually created a lot of reflection and spark for the book. And what it boils down with about boils down to, pardon me, is that I'm humble and always learning. And that I am someone who has been forced to be unreasonably ambitious early in life and to create my own path. And with that comes an incredible amount of confidence and courage to step into the unknown, to work with people whose technical professions I don't know enough about, drawing on my skill sets and gifts as I know them to be, to be able to do the work that I do. So a big part of it is knowing what my gifts are, and I've had to, I had to learn that early in life, being able to access my gifts and then actually using them <laughs> because there are a lot of people out, and I'm not the most, you know, cleverest uh, cog in the shed by any stretch of the imagination, but I know what my gifts are and I use everything I've got to do the work that I do and, and to create the life that I want. And that's kind of the difference for me. And it's the difference between, you know, geniuses that I've worked with who are flipping burgers for a living and, you know, mediocre kind of talent, bit of fluid intelligence, some life skills that are, you know, multi-millionaires that have been really successful. And so I started to really reflect on what is the difference between the high performer that crumbles and the high performer that actually launches into the unknown and carves their own path. And I realized, geez, I'm actually that person. <laughs> you know, it was like, whoa, I'm actually the book that I've written about. And you know, and so that's what's really prompted and sparked this discussion and then launching into the stories of so many incredible leaders that I've had the opportunity to know and work with over the last 25 years. So the language, Unreasonable Ambition, it's a perfect book title. And I know guys like you, guys and girls like you, when you write a book, you've got a message. The title is really important and some of them light you up and give you real insight into the content of the book and some don't. Yours is the former. It's a great collection of words. It means something. When did you land on it? And when you put those two words together, probably, I'm guessing, to help yourself explain your own story and your own progress, did you know that you'd landed on the title of a book and, a, and more importantly, a really powerful concept that you could share and help others with? Yeah, look, and it's one of those things, isn't it, as an author and as a, as a psychologist, it kind of took a while to get there. I played with many titles. But it wasn't until I started to write the body of the book and really explain what I was trying to get out, which is what the world needs from us right now, unreasonable ambition, that I realized what I was saying. So I redefined ambition and I used unreasonable very specifically to talk about the fact that we can't solve the world's problems that are facing us right now with the same approach or level of reason or logic than we ever have before. You know, we're in this kind of maelstrom, humanity's caught in this maelstrom and facing existential crises. It's not a time to be reasonable, wouldn't you say? This is a time to actually draw on a very different skill set and mindset. We're looking for possibility where we're exploring the impossible because of the magnitude of the extreme challenge that lies before us as a race. So we can't 
be, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. Let's apply black and white solutions. Let's use data we've always used. We can't afford to be thinking like that anymore. We have to be unreasonable and impossible in our approach. And that's going to take a very different type of thinking, which is why I've called it renegade, which is you have to literally go against the grain in your thinking to be able to come up with solutions to solve for where we're at as a race. And then ambition is around being driven by a purpose that is bigger than you are, by a higher calling. It's going to take all of us to solve for where we're at as a race. We've got to get beyond this idea of I'm going to function as an individually gifted leader and move towards harnessing collective brilliance to solve for where we're at. And so that's the other piece around the ambition. It's not ambition in the like dirty ambition, right? Self-serving ambition. It's ambition in a higher calling, in going beyond and being driven by something more than myself. So it's actually very much a play on those words and a redefinition to say, hey, stop running from the storm, start thinking about things differently, tap into all of your gifts, rely on intuition and logic, be driven by more, and maybe the future might be human. I almost said it's almost called the book, The Future is Human, Maybe, dot, dot, dot. All right? That would have been attention-grabbing as well. I would have liked that. Right? So, So, yeah, that's what I'm working on at the moment, my new keynote. I've decided I've landed on that title because mm. that's what I'm really talking about. Be the humans, be the freaking storm. Stop running, you've got this. Be the storm, like Dr. Strange. You know, when you Mm. think about Dr. Strange, who bends the world to him, if you follow Marvel. He shoots up into the air and he controls the elements, right? That's how we have to be thinking about what's what's facing us in business and in life. How are we bending the world to us and capable of solving no matter what the weather conditions? So the concept of unreasonable ambition is to empower individuals, leaders, organizations, communities to think about the challenges that we face today uh, differently because they're great big problems that need to be solved and thinking the old way won't get us there. So we need that unreasonable element to our ambition. Get it? I like it. Now, I I was intrigued with this question as I was reading your book. As a psychologist, is there some part of you that questioned along the way, just the concept of you saying, hey, this way of thinking worked for me, Here, it'll probably work for you as well. Was there some kind of double checking in there with you thinking, hang on, this has got to be a really broad concept. It can't just be, this has been my recipe for, for success. You should follow it too. We, I'm, I'm guessing along the way you were checking the breadth of your philosophy. Oh, look, absolutely. And I mean, I've been studying humans for 25 years. And, and as I say in the book as well, you know, I'm encouraging everybody to get out of their own way and evolve beyond what they think is possible. But I also acknowledge that not everybody's going to do that. They're not going to choose that. This is the book for those that want to try, right? I want to give people the tools to be able to be more than they ever dreamed of if they choose to do so. But the other thing I'll tell you as well is success is a very interesting concept. So how is success defined in the book? It's defined as whatever it means to you. You know, I'm not just about let's solve, you know, for the energy transition. Whatever that big hairy meatball is that's coming down from the sky for you, whatever that big thing is for you, 
that represents a transformation or something that you need to evolve in yourself to have a better experience in life and to be happier and fulfilled, then that's what success is is defined as. So I want to be really clear about that. I've used big kind of examples for sure, but that's not all I'm talking about because, you know, sometimes what's big for some but one is an everyday for another. It's really based on what that looks like for you, but I'm encouraging people to push themselves out of their comfort zone. That's absolutely, because transformation happens when we're not in charge, right? When we're not in charge is when the big shift happens. And I really want to help people have a happiness, a happier life and a life that they deserve. And so the hacks or the brain hacks that are in the book as well are designed for everybody, if you're interested. Whether it's a half-day energizer session or a comprehensive team and leadership program, Team Guru's unique approach could be just what the doctor ordered for your organization. So tell me about the process that you work through, Vanessa, when you have individual clients or, or group clients that you work with. What kind of process do you work through in order to get us to this understanding of unreasonable ambition and and to be able to implement some of the cores into our life? Yeah, look, I think the first thing really is looking at what's your why? Like, why are you here? So I try to get people to really understand, you know, their motivation, their motivation for being here. Like, what drives you? And that's the first. I always start with the end in mind because I find that when you can understand why somebody's here, what's important to them, then you can actually get them to generate the energy for whatever their goals and ambitions are. So the first question I always uh, try to answer is what drives you? And that's the first part of my process. And if you like, that's their ambition, right? Whatever that ambition is. The second part is what's your purpose? Like, Like why? You know, and that's kind of your mantra. So that's your why. Why is it that you care about this? Why is it that this is something that you want to focus on? What? Why is it that this is something that gets you up in the morning? What's the, what's the bigger lens around this? And that can be anything really. And then the next place I take them to is what blocks you? Like what is your mindset? What's helping you but what's hindering you from actually achieving that ambition, for actually delivering on that purpose, that direction or that path that you've expressed you want for yourself? So we figure out, you know, who they are, what their strengths are, where there are opportunities, where there are biases and things like that. So what blocks you? And then the final part is putting it into action. And as I mentioned before, that's the big uh, clicker. That's the big clincher for this. How are you executing on all of the above? Because action does make the difference between the person who succeeds and the person who doesn't. And so how are you putting this into practice? and sustaining your motivation as you're going on this journey to try and get to where you want to be. So that's kind of, it's kind of those four buckets that I focus on. And I talk about those in the book as well as the four key elements. And inevitably, when I meet with people for the first time, you know, some may be further along, they may be able to move quickly through those. Some we may need to start from, you know, motivation, which is what drives you. People come in their journey with me at different points. And part of my role is to meet them where they are and then to help them evolve along that process. So that's it in kind of in a nutshell. So what drives you, motivation, what's your purpose, your mantra, what's getting, what will get you there or what will block you, your mindset, and then putting it into action, which is momentum. 
Oh, look, you just did part of my job for me, Vanessa. I like that, that you went back and summarized those. Now, they're four really neat, tidy, understandable steps. I like the simplicity of those. Can I just talk through each of them and, and ask a few questions? Of course you can. When people talk about, when you, are, when you talk about that step one, the ambition, and what's your why? I reckon that that would be a really hard question for people to answer. People who are caught in the quagmire of uh, large organizational life, being a professional, delivering, putting out fires, going home to a busy household, paying the bills, all of those things that consume us with life. I reckon actually understanding your why and your true ambition, because your true ambition is probably not to get that promotion and earn a little bit more money and get a bit more responsibility. That might be a superficial thing. So what is the challenge and how do you get someone to peel back the layers, the, the sort of quagmire layers that, that slap us in everyday life, in our, in our busyness and the competing demands? How do you get to peel away that muck and help people really understand the heart of the ambition? Yeah, I, I might answer that with a story. Probably one of the most memorable client experiences I ever had that probably would explain that really well is I was working in Ottawa and I got sent from a, a national heritage organisation, this guy that they wanted to promote. He was the, a financial controller and he came into my office and, I mean, this guy was a bit strange looking. He was a, a short guy. He was hunched over. That probably didn't help. He had a very he looked very despondent. And I thought, I thought, this is really interesting that this guy should come to me for this promotion and look, you know, <laughs> absolutely traumatized. <laughs> Mortified by it. To be asked questions that would give him this promotion, right? Because you'd think, why aren't you happy? They're looking mm. to put you in the CFO role and you look like someone's died or the cat's mm. been run over, you know. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, what on earth? And he came into my office and I started asking him the regular questions and and eventually thought, this is not working. And so I looked at his emotions and I read his emotions and I said, you don't look happy being here today. I want to understand why you're here. Like, why are you, you Do you not want the promotion? Like, what, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, you know what? I'm just not really all that excited. I've been doing this same job for 100 years. And this question came out of my mouth. I just, I don't know why. I just had to ask him this question. I said, what did you want to be when you were a kid? What do you want to be when you grow up? And he looked at me vibrant. His disposition changed. And he said, I want to be a singer. <laughs> I said, wow, you want to be a singer? He goes, yeah, I really want to be a singer. I love Elvis. I said, really? He goes, yeah. Now, you've got to understand how this guy looked, okay? didn't yeah. look like Elvis. Let's yeah, just yeah. leave it there. I've got that picture. Okay? Didn't have that look. Brill cream. Imagine, brill cream, hair stuck down, the whole look. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, whatever. In my, my internal voice is thinking, oh, well, you poor thing. What am I going to do with you? <laughs> All right? Uh, delusional. Anyway, I said, can you sing? So let's test the passion. He said, well, me, we? Well, yes, I can. You know, French-Canadian guy. I said, All right. What can you sing? He says, well, I love to sing Elvis. I said, All right. What can you sing? Blue suede shoes. He goes, okay. I said, right here, right now. Blue suede shoes. Let's go. So he gets up and he turns around, like to give me the whole dramatic effect, turns back around, blue, blue suede shoes, starts singing. And honestly, he was Elvis, this guy. <laughs> That's amazing. It was, it was amazing. He came to life. He was someone else. It was extraordinary. You can imagine where I went next. I said, I want you to throw out this promotional conversation right now 
and I want you to talk to me about what being Elvis could look like for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, Your actual life passion. What, right? What could that look like for you? Could we do it? And he talked to me and I, and I said, why aren't you doing it? So what we did is we actually, rather than talk about the promotion, and I hope nobody from this organisation in Canada listens to this podcast, we figured out what it could look like. He is now an impersonator still. Amazing. The casino, luckily. And can you imagine how happy he is compared to if he had have taken that promotion and become a CFO? He was dying As a human being. Yeah, that's- He was dying. That's amazing. I love that story. That is an amazing story. And people who listen to this podcast a lot know that I ask most guests at some point, what are we doing to ourselves, human beings? This crazy life we've set up where we bust our guts and stress and strain and are anxious about jobs that don't really care about us, positions they will fill next week if we were to die tomorrow, and forget about the things that actually make us happy. We just jump on the hamster wheel all too willingly. And I love the fact that you got to the bottom of this guy's actual passion. So that leads me to my question about number two. So number one was, what's your why and what is your ambition? And you worked out this guy's ambition is not to be a CFO. It made him depressed. He was already kind of doing it-ish. It's something totally different that he wanted to do. And working that out would have been life-changing for him. So what then is the mantra, the purpose and why? Because again, you know, most people living listening to this will think, you know, all of these dreams are great, but I've got bills to pay. The cost of living is rising. My kids are changing to a private school next year. This is not ending anytime soon. I need to keep going to this job, blue suede shoes or not. This is what I have to do. What on earth could be my mantra in that? I remember I had a mantra, Vanessa, in uni. You know, uni's tough gig for most of us, working part-time jobs, whatever. I mean, I've told this story before as well. I used to have to have my alarm clock over the other side of the room so I could get up and go to uni after washing dishes late into the night because I was normally too tired. If it was close to me, I'd turn it off and go back to sleep. And my mantra, I used to wake up every morning to my alarm after not having had enough sleep. And I'd say to myself two years to go, well, however many more years of uni I had left. And it was brilliant. And at the end, it worked out brilliantly. It was a tough four years, but hey, I survived. What's the mantra for life? Because there's not two years to go. It's not a four-year degree. Life is a long time. Our working lives are a long time. Those of us who have kids at home that we look after and will continue to look after for decades to come, that's not two years to go. How can we develop a mantra out of the, the quagmire? Yeah, well, I think, you know, with the fellow that I was talking about, his mantra was to make people happy, right? And so he became very clear as to what that was about. So just to talk about that, his transition to become a part-time impersonator was obviously rooted in reality as well. And I think that's a big part of it. You've got to also be able to pay the bills. And, you know, people that think you can go from day job to side hustle and quit one for the other, that's not how life works, right? And so I'm very clear on that. When I'm working with people, I say, let's talk about how we get there and what it could look like. And it's about letting your mantra become a dominant part of your life. So with him, he actually started doing gigs at his place of work. He did end up getting a promotion, by the way, but he did it better because he was happier. He was happier because he was also filling his motivation and passion tanks by 
being able to realise opportunities within the singing space and make people happy, he completely changed his approach as a leader. And so it's really interesting when you see people that are able to align, you know, that motivation and that mantra to create an experience of life that's extraordinary. And I want people to know that it's possible, that you can have a portfolio life if you want it. You can make time for both, but you just have to have a bit of a plan and not make any rash decisions. So we staggered his approach to be able to then drop part-time so he could still do his gigs, still look after his family, but uh, also be able to fulfil the many parts of himself because as human beings we're not just one identity, right, and this is what's often lost. You've got your work persona, you're a brother, you're a father, you know, you're an uncle, you know, I'm talking about a man right now, you're a singer, you're a swimmer. You know, we've got so many, we're so complex as human beings. We have to be able to nurture and nourish the many parts of ourselves. And doing one thing doesn't usually bring that to to any of us. So I love the fact that these days people are focused more on evolving side hustles. I think that's fantastic because that's bringing more fulfilment, but you have to do it in a clever way. I think it's what, what's really interesting is people have this myth that entrepreneurs are big risk takers, right? And they're not. There are a couple that are in their own stratosphere, let's face it, because they've got the money to back them like Elon Musk and so on. But in general, very successful entrepreneurs are calculated risk takers. It's not impulsive risk. Mm. And that's what we need to figure out in terms of our life. How do we meet the needs of all parts of ourselves, but do it in a way that is clever and thoughtful, sustainable as well? So I don't know if that's answered, answered your question. but that is very nicely. That's, there's some very important points around blending motivation and mantra mm. and execution. And that gets me to the next one. That number three is what blocks you. What you know, your mindset. I guess it might also be practical blockers as well in in your life. What are some of the most common ones when you work with someone really closely? They have some light bulb moments about what they really want, what's missing from their life, the the existence they've carved out for themselves, and what they've given up over time. All of those kind of things. What are the things that then provide practical or emotional blockers? The biggest blockers that I see, the biggest blocker of all is fear, right? It's fear. And it's fear that is that is not challenged. And so one of the things that you would have read about in the book that is absolutely clear is that we actually don't access 60% of our cognitive potential. It's lying dormant. Mm, we don't access it, yeah. which is scary mm. because – also, if you think about the nature of the problems we're trying to solve for right now. Yeah, we could do with a bit more cognitive well, we horsepower, could, couldn't we? Right. But we're really yeah. blocked. And it's yeah. really interesting. So the big one, I'll just share with you this story. There's a, I work with a lot of teams who are struggling to figure out how to be future fit, right? Mm. And in the face of the challenges right now, they're going to ground. They're like absolutely quivering in their bobby socks, not knowing which way to move, immobilized by fear, not getting any traction and acting as if they're facing these situations for the first time. But let's unpack that for a second. Is this the first time you've had to overcome adversity? Is this the first time that you've had to step into an unknown and actually navigate it? Or if you look back on the story of your life thus far, can you actually come up with three, four, five, ten 
turning point milestone moments where you've actually had to overcome or navigate something terrifying to become the person you are today and get through it? And the answer to that is, of course, yes. Yeah. So why are we acting like we haven't been here before? Mm. Why have we forgotten where we've come from? Mm. Why have we forgotten the strength and the courage we already have? And yet this is where people are going. They've forgotten everything that they've done. And I, I loved COVID. I mean, I didn't love it, but I'm, let me qualify. I loved COVID as a forcing function for evolution for humanity to show us just how adaptable we can be. You know, we're here. We've got, we're getting through it. We've gotten through it, right? I would like us to keep those lessons and learnings and not revert back to default of fear. You've just got through, you know, a pandemic. You are stronger than you think. So stop being afraid. You've got this, right? Yeah, that's a very interesting point. You know, through that, that's a big, powerful thought. And I had a tiny little micro thought about the idea of forgetting what we've achieved through life, you know, at different stages, I mentioned the, the tough years of uni and there's adolescence before that and childhood. And there, there are lots of challenges that proportionately are big at the time and we, we overcome them. Do you think that in our modern age where I don't go anywhere without listening to an audiobook or a podcast and then whenever I sit in a waiting room or anything, I'm scrolling through Twitter, you know, like everyone does and it's a terrible, terrible habit do you reckon we are, are depriving ourselves of reflection time and that if we spend a little bit more time thinking about our life and the lessons that we've learned, a bit like someone who's writing a memoir would in the way that they connect uh, earlier events to things that happen later and lessons they learned along the way, I have a feeling that the idea of robbing ourselves, keeping ourselves entertained from the moment we wake up until the moment we go to sleep is robbing us of the reflection time that we might otherwise use to draw those conclusions and pluck out themes from our existence? Oh, God, I, I love where you've gone. I'm just a big fan of yours right now that you even asked that question because that question is an evolved soul question, which I love. So thank you. <laughs> an evolved soul. I'm writing Absolutely. that down. I'm making a badge for really myself. you showing me who you are right now, So, I, and I'm so grateful for that. Here's the thing. We don't spend enough time reflecting. You want to solve the problems of the world? You want to access your higher order intuition because intuition is magic that we have as humanity. It's ancient wisdom that we need to use to drive our decisions just as much as logic. It's our spidey senses that drive us. You want to access that fully and be driven by that? You need to sit still. Look out the window every day. You need to look out the window. You need to daydream, celebrate daydreaming, celebrate the wandering mind, distractions also. You know, there's all this whole bad wrap around distractibility. You know what? Let your mind wander. Go there. This extraordinary entrepreneur that I've been that I work with in North America, who said made this great statement the other day, and he's like the, a global strategist around the metaverse. This guy is incredible. He says to me, "Vini," he says, "When I'm trying to tap into my intuition, he says I stand still so that I can see the moves of this world." Mm. He stands still. Stop, stop, stop. Mm. Look around you. Detach. Allow that wisdom to bubble forth so that you can hear and see. I call it listening to the future. You want to be able to solve for, for tomorrow, today? You need to listen to the future. You want to be strategic and stop being reactive? Stop. Make the space to really think about things and you'll start to see 
the synapses firing, the intuition kicking in, the logical brain kicking in, and suddenly the clarity that comes from that. Some people meditate to do it, right? Meditation or mindfulness is a practice that some people use. Me, I run or I just stop and I look at a candle or I read. I just have moments of stillness or I walk along the beach. Whatever I need to do to stop, and I spend a lot of time on my own when I'm not with clients and busy. I spend a lot of time just quiet by myself in my room, just contemplating. Writing for me is is one of those things that does that also. Whatever you need to do to slow yourself down and unplug will give you exponential benefits and the ability to hear the whispering. I'm glad that I asked that question. I'm, I'm glad that I, I now think of myself as an evolved soul. <laughs> <You Hey, are. laughs> we're very, very quickly run out of time. This time has flown by. Oh, Can wow. leave us with your three nuggets of wisdom about this whole concept of unreasonable ambition. Don't wait for a crisis to tap into your oh, capability. Brilliant. You know, I think that's the first one. There's no reason that you can't start identifying, accessing, and using your gifts now. You are capable of more than you know. So choose to be more and create the life you want. The steering wheel is in your hands. Be the storm. Don't run away from it. All right. So for a simple old me, Vanessa, what was number two? Number two is get storm ready. Get storm okay. ready. Get storm ready. Be the storm. Don't run away from it. Start to build the mindset and the mental agility to be able to deal with whatever comes your way because you've got this, okay? So, you, But you need to have the right mindset to be able to do that. So get storm ready. And I've included the eight steps in the book to really start to challenge your thinking around what is blocking you and getting in your way and ways that you can actually tap into different sources of knowledge and power and mental acuity to be able to bend the world to you. And the and third number one, three. Mm-hmm. yeah, find something to care about. Yeah, I like it. Why are you here? What does the world need from you? If you know the answer to this and you work on answering that, then you'll be able to sustain momentum, sustain motivation, keep going and solve for an impossible future, even when the going gets tough. But you need to find that thing that compels you to care that is bigger than you are. Whatever that is, find that thing to care about. I love it, Vanessa. Look, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. The time went by so quickly. Vanessa Vershaw, thank you so much for joining me on the Team Guru podcast. Oh, thanks so much, David. It's been an absolute blast. And that was Vanessa Vershaw, Unreasonable Ambition ambitious and inspired life. It all sounds quite appealing. And those three nuggets of gold that Vanessa left us with, number one, don't wait for a crisis to tap into your genius. Number two, get storm ready, be the storm, don't run away from it. And number three, find something that you care about. Why are you here? What does the world need from you? As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with Vanessa on the Lessons Learned page for this podcast, You'll find it along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts on our website. 
That's teams with an s.guru forward slash podcast. And don't forget to check out my new project, yourstorypod.com.au and get in touch if there's someone you care about who should tell their life story. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.